Dracula. I am Dracula. And I bid you welcome, Mr. Hart, to my heart. Come Our first award goes to the vampires for most blood drained in a single evening. The strength of the vampire is that people will not believe in him. Good evening, my fellow vampire lovers. The sun is going down, and you know what that means. It's time for me to record another episode of my podcast, The Beautiful Dead. I am your host, Lena Nazari, and I'm just going to jump right into it and admit... What is that? Well, that is the scream of a vampire. That means ladies and gentlemen, that I made a mistake. In the last episode, I declared very proudly that it was my 13th episode recorded right around Friday the 13th, and guess what? I was wrong. That was actually my 12th episode. I'm not sure exactly why I jumped from 11 to 13, but I did. So in fact, this is my 13th episode. So I admit it, I made a mistake, and I'm just gonna get it off my chest right here in the very beginning. So going back to usual business, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Very exciting news. We are now on Apple, so this podcast can be found on Apple, which is very exciting. Please, if you haven't already, um, like, rate, review, share it, and please, please subscribe or uh, follow me. It does really help the podcast be found by other people. You can find me at uh, linanazari.com, and that's where you can see links to all of my social media. You can also email me. That is lena at linanazari.com, and I do respond to everybody who reaches out to me, whether it be via email or on TikTok or Instagram or wherever they may find me. I will reach out to you. I do have some appearances coming up. The first weekend of September, I will be here in Pittsburgh at Memento Con. And the last weekend of September, the 24th through the 27th, I'll be at Mountaineer Comic Con in West Virginia, not only selling my book, but also celebrating my birthday. So if you want to be, if you're in the area, if you want to come say hi, uh, you want to wish me a happy birthday, I would love that. I love meeting everybody. I love talking to people. Uh, I think that's it for the business end of everything. I think you guys are probably sick of hearing me talk about all this stuff. So why don't we go ahead and jump into our discuss, discussion, discussion. I'm not editing that out. You know what? It's okay. I make mistakes, everybody. I think the vampire scream made that evident. All right, let's move on to our discussion. I'm really happy right now. It's such a silly thing, but, um... My daughters actually gave me a Buffy the Vampire Slayer calendar. I'm looking at it right now, and it just made me so happy that they thought of me. So, all right, moving on, everyone. So this evening, we are talking about the 1985 classic Fright Night. So we are talking about the original Fright Night, not the remake. I will do the remake on a different episode. I'm also not talking about the sequel, 
Um, not just because it turns out I have a lot to say about this one. I didn't think I was going to have so much to say, but it looks like I do. Uh, so I didn't think I needed to add on the sequel to uh, make this much longer. But also, it turns out that it it's pretty hard to track down. I'm having a tough time finding the sequel. Uh, the one from 1988. So so we're just going to talk about the, the OG Fright Night. Now, this was one that was such a big thing for me in um, high school. I watched it so many times. It really was still kind of cemented in my brain, but I did just go back and rewatch it because I like to bring you guys the most accurate information possible. And also, I like to talk about it fresh right after I've watched it. And um, and I like to to really take specific notes. So as I go back and rewatch these things, as I am dissecting the vampire itself, I am catching more as opposed to just watching it as a fan. So for those of you who have not seen this, huge spoiler alert, but I would actually be surprised. So if anybody has not seen the original Fright Night and you're listening to this episode right now, shoot me an email because I'll be interested to see how many people haven't seen it. I, I just feel like everyone has at this point. So uh, our cast, Chris Sarandon as Jerry Dandridge, William Ragsdale as Charlie, Amanda Bierce as Amy, Roddy McDowell as Peter Vincent, who, by the way, was named after a Peter Cushing and Vincent Price. So that was a cool little piece of trivia. Stephen Jeffries as Evil. Uh, we have some vampiric crossovers, which always makes me very excited. Roddy McDowell did actually um, reprise his role in Fright Night 2. And Chris Sarandon uh, would have a cameo in the 2011 remake, but he was also in another vampire film, which is Tales from the Crypt Bordello of Blood, which is on my list to cover in a future episode. So Chris Sarandon was in a couple of vampire films there. So for those of you who don't know, know the film, um, very quickly, this movie takes off like from minute three. Uh, within the first five minutes, we meet our vampire, Jerry, who has moved in next door to Charlie, who is a teenager. He's in high school in this. Charlie figures out pretty quickly that this is a vampire. So this movie is off and running like 15 minutes in. Um, he knows all about vampires because he watches this show every week called Fright Night. And Fright Night is this local TV show that is run by Peter Vincent. And it's one of those like weekly local access uh, channels. For those of you who are not, were not born in the 80s and 90s um, and don't know Joe Bob Briggs. So Joe Bob Briggs actually did the same thing. Every week he would feature a horror film and he would have these funny bits right before commercial breaks, so you would see the movie in pieces. And, and there was a lot of that going on back in the 80s and 90s. And so Fright Night is one of those things. And Peter Vincent hosts this Fright Night. Um, we find out very quickly that Peter is an actor who had made his career out of playing a vampire hunter in the 70s and 60s. Um, he does showcase some of his old films in this and the bits that you see of the old films are very very reminiscent of those hammer horror films they look a lot like them and so um charlie watches this show every week and because of that he's pretty 
uh, up to date on his vampire knowledge, much like myself. So he's able to pick out the fact that his new neighbor is a vampire pretty quickly. After Jerry moves in, bodies of drained and decapitated women are found daily. So every day on the news, we're hearing about another another woman being found. Um, Charlie, not long after Jerry moves in, calls the police and says that his neighbor is the one killing the girls. And so the police show up at Jerry's house. And that's when Charlie says he's a vampire and everybody laughs and the cops are mad at him. And that's when Jerry realizes that this boy next door has figured him out and that he's going to have to fight back to make sure that he's not discovered. And he does that by trying to scare Charlie. So first he gets Charlie's mother to invite him into the house. Then he shows up in Charlie's bedroom that night. So he's trying really hard to scare Charlie into being quiet and not telling anyone else. Instead, Charlie goes to his girlfriend, Amy, and his best friend, Evil, and they laugh at him. So then he goes to find Peter Vincent. Peter, Peter Vincent thinks he's this crazy kid. So it's not until the next day when Charlie's two friends, I'm sorry, girlfriend and friend, go to Peter Vincent's house and say, listen, Charlie's not well. We need your help. Can you just go to Jerry's house, put him through a series of tests, show Charlie that he's not a vampire, and then we can move on from this whole thing. And they offer to pay Peter Vincent. And so he takes this, what he thinks is just a gig, only to um, discover that Jerry is in fact a vampire. Um, so that's when Peter Vincent is drawn into the whole thing. And then very quickly, Evil and Amy are drawn into it. And it's kind of a fight for their lives against the vampire. Um, once Jerry realizes that they have figured it out, Jerry goes after Charlie's best friend, Evil, and turns him into a vampire. And then Evil goes after Peter Vincent, um, is burned by a cross on his forehead and then jumps out Peter's window. So that's where we're going to stop the description of the movie and kind of pick up on our breakdown of the vampires. And then I will go back and let you know how it ends. Again, huge, huge spoiler alert. If you don't know this podcast, I'm going to ruin everything. So if you want to watch this movie first, like now would be a time to stop <laughs> and go watch the movie. Vampire appearance. So in this film, they appear human until they sort of vamp out. And once they vamp out, they have yellow or red eyes. They have a mouthful of sharp teeth. They have long fingernails, long um, fingers. Their fingers sort of grow out. Um, they look almost monstrous. Uh, I'll tell you what, the practical effects for the fact that this movie is 36 years old, the practical effects hold up very, very well. Other than the scene where Jerry turns into a bat, the practical effects hold up very well. Um, there is an amazing transition from wolf back to human that I just was blown away. I still can't believe that they did this 36 years ago because it's so cool. The fangs come and go. So apparently they are retractable and um, at one point, you know, they can look human with just two fangs. And then when they fully vamp out, then that's when they have that mouthful of fangs. But there is a time where they just appear human with no fangs at all. Blood 
definitely a thing. We've yet to have a vampire fil film so far where they don't have to drink blood. And um, this is one where they do have to drink blood. And it sounds like Jerry drains his victims every time because there's a new body found every day. So, you know, that would, that would be tough because you have to drain somebody every single day. That's a lot of bodies piling up. So how long before the police start, start looking in your direction? Uh, but he can eat food. So we have some vampires in other films that can't eat food, like what we do in the shadows. But in this one, we see him eat apples all throughout the film. And I did look it up because it, there's a great scene. He bites the apple and he throws it and you can see it's like this big, huge bite. Um, but I thought, why do they have Jerry eating so many apples? I looked it up. It was actually Chris Sarandon's idea. He was doing a ton of research when he got this film and he saw like the whole vampire connection to bats. And so he said, well, Jerry must have a lot of fruit bat in him. So funny, funny inside vampire joke. Um, we know that Jerry sleeps in a coffin. Uh, when we first see Jerry, he is walking through his front yard and, um, they're, they are carrying a coffin in. Him and, and Billy, who I will talk about Billy later, um, are carrying in a coffin. So we assume throughout the film that that's where he's sleeping. And we do finally get to see at the very end that he is in his coffin. Um, we know that they can't be in sunlight. We only see Jerry at night throughout the whole film. And then at the end, it is sunlight that does finally kill him. Holy items. So this is one of those vampire films where holy items is a thing. So he is repelled by crosses. Um, at one point when Peter says that he's going to go and test Jerry to show Charlie that Jerry's not a vampire, he calls Jerry first and he says, hey, you know, I want to come help this kid. I understand he's going through a tough time. Can I please come? and uh, test you and show him that you're not a vampire. So Jerry says, well, I'm recently a born again Christian, so you can't pull out crosses. That's sacrilegious. And Peter says, well, how about I'll have you drink holy water? And Jerry's like, nope, nope, nope. That's sacrilegious too. That's not right. So Peter says, well, it'll just be regular tap water, but we're going to tell him it's holy. So we know that holy items are a problem for these vampires. Now, we never see garlic being a thing. So I guess they kind of threw that one out the window. Um, now, here is a specific twist on um, the crosses and the holy items for these vampires. And we, we have seen this used in other things. But this is the first time we're talking about one of these movies in, in this podcast, which is uh, Charlie has the cross he holds it up and Jerry says oh you have to have faith in the cross for it to work on me so the first time we see a cross being used on a vampire it burns evil's forehead um but then when they hold the cross up in front of Jerry Jerry actually crushes it with his hand and says you have to have faith in that for it to work on me so we're not they don't totally explain that to us i'm uh, i under i would assume it is because he is older or he is more powerful or he's some kind of master vampire. And so that's why you have to have faith in the cross for it to work on him. Um, but they never fully explain that whole thing. And we're actually going to come back to this here towards the end of my review when we talk about how Jerry is killed. 
Um, but apparently, because he's this all-powerful or very, very old or master vampire, you can't just pull up a cross. You have to actually believe in the cross. His powers. He can turn into a bat and fly. Um, these vampires can turn into wolves, and we do see evil turn into a wolf. They're very strong. We see him lift a very large man up by his throat. He breaks doors. He, he doesn't even have to try to destroy a car. When he vamps out, he can use his nails to slit a man's throat. And he may or may not be able to mesmerize humans. I'm not totally sure, but I'm going to go back to that when we talk more about the club scene. It's not fully explained if it's mesmerization or something else. But this is when I want to talk about Billy. So Billy is a man who is seen with Jerry at all times. When we first see Billy, he's carrying in the coffin at Jerry's house and it it's made clear kind of to, I mean, to those who understand the vampire lore pretty quickly, you understand that this is his human servant because you see him in the daylight. You also see him disposing of a body and Jerry is clearly his master. Now, what they never explain fully to us is how Jerry makes a human servant or what kind of thing Billy is because Billy can be in daylight, but he is shot by a bullet in his forehead and comes back to life. It's not until he's staked through the heart that he dies. And when he dies, um, he has like green ooze coming out of him. And then he melts and he's just a skeleton. So I don't know if he's like a zombie or I, it's never explained. It's also never made clear if he is enslaved or he is mesmerized or he's just a psycho that likes to help vampires. None of that is ever explained. So we're just supposed to accept that Billy is Jerry's human servant. He is there to protect Jerry during the day. He's there to get rid of bodies. He apparently can live for a very, very long time and can't die by a bullet. But when he does die, he just like melts. I don't know. And then um, at one point, Amy is kidnapped by Jerry and she is bitten and she's transitioning. And when she's transitioning... Uh, Jerry can control her, so he's in a completely different part of the house, and he just says, awake and kill them, and she wakes up and starts going after Charlie and Peter, so he has some kind of power over the vampires he makes, but again, that's never really totally explained either. Now, these vampires do have some rules, so the first one is they have to be invited in, and the second one is they do not cast a reflection in a mirror. And that is how Jerry is actually um, figured out by Peter Vincent is when Peter's there, he realizes Jerry has no reflection. Now, talking about the famous club scene, which I promise I'm going to describe in more detail later, there is a scene of Amy dancing and she's dancing with Jerry. But when she looks in the mirror, she's not dancing with Jerry. And it actually reminded me of Dracula dead and loving it. So I don't know if that's where they got that, where Mel Brooks got that idea. But of course, this movie was made well before Dracula dead and loving it. So I saw that and I thought, oh, my goodness, they did it first. So it was very neat. How are these vampires made? Well, OK, so. In the beginning, as they're hearing these news reports of women being found every day, we know it's Jerry. We know he's drained these girls and their bodies were dumped. And evil says, oh, and I heard their heads were cut off. So I thought, OK, well, so this is one of those things where you get bitten by a vampire uh, and drained. It, 
you come back as a vampire. That's all it takes. So that's why they cut the girl's heads off to make sure they didn't come back. But then later, when Jerry goes after evil, we just see him bite evil. And then the next scene, evil's a vampire. So that is never explained. So I don't know if you just have to be bitten or if you have to be drained and killed and then you come back. I don't know how long it takes. It's not really ever totally explained to us. So I, I, I'm going to assume you just have to be bitten. Um, later, after Jerry um, kidnaps Amy, we see Amy bitten. But that's it. We never see her like drained or anything. But then when Charlie shows up, she's laying on the ground. She's sweating. She's like hyperventilating. And um, Jerry says he throws Charlie in the room with Amy and says, uh, you're going to need this when she wakes up. And he throws a wooden stake into the room and then shuts the door. So clearly she's transitioning. So I guess you just have to be bitten. And then that's it. You turn into a vampire unless you get beheaded never explained. <laughs> so we're just supposed to accept it. Now, interestingly enough, after Jerry is killed at the end, Amy returns to human. And again, never explained. So I don't know if she gets to turn back because she never killed a human or never drank human blood. Um, or maybe anybody who is turned by a vampire turns back to human whenever their master is killed. I don't know. Because they never explain it. So apparently that's a thing in this universe. How do they die? Well, evil is staked to the, to, has a stake in the heart, uh, a wooden stake to the heart. And interestingly enough, he is staked while he's a wolf. And then we get to watch him transition back to a man with the stake in his heart. And guys, if you only watch one scene, this is the scene. The transformation is unbelievable. Um, and then, um, Jerry is very, very hard to kill in this. Jerry is eventually killed when he's standing in front of a broken window and the sun starts to rise. It burns his back. So he transforms into a bat and then attacks, uh, Peter and Charlie only to be hit with another sun ray. So he flees to his coffin in the basement. They go down to the basement. They find him down there. Then he fully vamps out. He comes out of his coffin. He's like ready to, to um, break some heads. He's ready to kill some men. And um, they start throwing things and breaking the windows in the basement one by one. So it looks as if Jerry and Billy moved in and all they just painted the windows. So let that be a lesson to you vampires. When you buy a house... Don't just paint over the window because someone can easily break the glass. You got to board that thing up, right? So take the extra time, spend the extra money, board the windows up. And if you can do, if you can do even more than that, do it, man, because it is way too easy to break out a window. Sunlight hits you. Boom, you're dead. So, you know, take that up extra step. So this is when he finally burns. Now, I will say... After he's finally killed by the sun, his death is also really freaking cool. He starts to burn. Then he turns into this like bat slash human skeleton, continues to burn. And then he kind of blows up into this green ball of light and then poof, he's gone. So that's awesome. No mess, right? But um, I looked it up and 
the bat skeleton that they burn was originally going to be used in the original Ghostbusters instead of the librarian ghost. And they thought it was too scary and they didn't want to lose their PG rating. So it just got stuck in a closet somewhere. Well, then they ended up using it on Fright Night. So that was another cool thing that I learned about this movie. Whether the vampires are supposed to be good or bad in this universe... Obviously, they're supposed to be bad. Okay, I have some mixed feelings about this because you guys know I love vampires. But obviously, in this universe, they are the bad guys. Um, Jerry sees Amy and immediately reacts to her. So then we find out the backstory, which is she looks exactly like his long lost love. So it does kind of add some layers to Jerry. But deep down, he's just he's the bad guy. You know, he's killing, he's kidnapping teenagers, decapitating women. He has no remorse. He's harassing some kid next door, trying to scare him into silence. Not a good dude. Okay, so so the vampires in this universe are bad. All right, tropes I love, tropes I hate. I love the long lost love trope. We see it often in vampire films where they've lost a love and then centuries later or lifetimes later, that love is reincarnated into another person. So the person looks exactly like their long lost love. And um, they, they seek that out. It is used in this movie, but not as well as it could be. There are other films like Bram Stoker's Dracula where it's really expanded on how the love was lost. You know, she almost like kind of has quasi memories of her other lifetimes. So that was really taken advantage of in Bram Stoker's Dracula. In this one, you just see a painting of the girl from a long time ago. And he kind of tells about, this is a girl I knew a long time ago, but she's gone. And it's never really expanded on. And that's a shame because I think that was an opportunity to really build Jerry out. But that's all right. They chose not to. Um, tropes I hate. So there's two I want to talk about in this one. The first one is I hate the whole virgin trope. This was a big thing back in the 80s where they always sought out the virgin. It was always mentioned that she was a virgin, blah, 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 blah. I'm not a big fan of that. And they use it in this one kind of for no reason at all. So within a few minutes of the film, um, when we are first introduced to Amy, we're introduced with her pushing Charlie away um, because he's trying to go to second base and she's not ready. And um, she does the whole like, I'm scared. I don't know if I'm ready. She's reluctant. She's not sure she wants to do it. And then later on in the film, she goes, she, she dances with Jerry at the club. Then all of a sudden she's at his house in front of a fire and she's like taking her top off. So I'm like, what? I don't understand. What was the whole point of showing her as a reluctant virgin? And then all of a sudden she's like brazen and ready to go. I didn't understand what was the point of that. I, I don't know. It just feels too much. I don't know if it's because I'm a mother of teenage girls or just a woman in general. There's just no reason to have that in there. So I hated that. Makes does not uh, does not help the movie at all. There's no reason. Uh, I also hate the whole faith saved by faith trope. Hate it. So there's a moment where you know Jerry's made it clear that the cross doesn't work unless you believe. And towards the end, 
Peter holds up the cross. Jerry laughs and says, I told you, you have to believe. The cross falls. Peter's face changes. He lifts the cross back up again. And now Jerry is repelled and they're fighting him back. And I'm like, oh, the whole saved by faith thing is is almost as bad as the whole saved by love trope. I, I hate that. It's I think it's just it's weak. I, I think it, it's unnecessary. So hate that one. Uh, I understand where it has a place in the um, vampire universe, but it's like either they're upheld by crosses or not. To add the whole, like, I didn't have faith and now I do, and I, it took me 15 seconds to transition, just makes no sense at all. All right, moving on. Gosh, I didn't realize how much I had to say about this movie. I'm so excited. All right, everybody's favorite. We're going to do the ratings. This is Lena's ratings of the vampires in Fright Night, in the Fright Night universe. All right, how evil or scary are the vampires. So I'm really just focusing on Jerry here because evil's only a vampire for like a minute. We don't really get to see too much of him. And Amy's like transitioning, but she's never completely fully vamped out. So we're just going to look at Jerry here. Like I said before, Jerry kills women. He kidnaps. He takes advantage of a teen girl. He throws Charlie into the room when she's transitioning in the hopes that she will kill him which is kind of twisted because of course she's going to have some kind of guilt over that. I would assume he is very strong. He is powerful. He has a human servant that's pretty hard to kill. That's available to protect him. However, we do have to hold into account the fact that he is bested by a high schooler. He can be killed by the sun. So that gives us the upper hand. So this is going to give him an evil rating of 7 out of 10 stakes to the heart. One of those evil points he gets because he will steal your girl right out from under you and he will get her to give it up. So he gets an evil point for that. So Jerry, you got a 7 out of 10 stakes to the heart for how evil um, and scary your vampire is when coming up against the human race. As far as how sexy or alluring the vampires are, um, I am going to score them in two ways. One is when they are totally vamped out and one is when they are not. Jerry vamped out is an easy one out of 10 ox. That one was easy to rank. He is monstrous, monster, oh, I'm having a tough time with that word, monstrous in his appearance. He has no appeal at all. He gets the honorary one point for being a vampire. Same thing as evil. Evil as a vampire is probably even less. He gets like a 0.5. Not sexy at all. Now, I do want to say Amy, when she's transitioning, all of a sudden goes from short to long hair. I'm like, oh, so you become a vampire and suddenly you have long, thick, lustrous hair? Well, sign me up. I, I don't know why she suddenly has like long reddish hair. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and then she has just the two fangs and she's got red lips and she has this like gauzy white dress, but then she does eventually vamp out and she's also very monstrous. So not very sexy. Now, the moment you've been waiting for Jerry, when he is not full vampire is freaking hot. Chris Sarandon is such a beautiful man. And I don't care if we're talking about 1985 or five minutes ago. The man is gorgeous. The club scene 
So remember when I said if you're gonna watch one scene, watch the transition from wolf back to man? Well, if you can fit in a second scene, you have to watch the club scene in Fright Night. He is walking through the club. He just like walks from one side to the other and he does that four or five times. And he has locked eyes with Amy. So Amy and Chris have gone in there. Charlie, where did I get Chris? Oh, because of Chris Sarandon. Sorry, Amy and Charlie have gone in to hide from Jerry. And Charlie's on the phone, so he's distracted. And um, Jerry comes in and locks eyes with Amy and Amy clearly is like immediately just drawn to him. She walks across this dance floor. But the funny thing is, it's just moments before she's holding on to Charlie saying, I'm so scared, I'm so scared. So he has such an allure to him that just like that, she's done being scared. She's drawn to him. She goes out into the crowd. Uh, they lock hands. They start to dance a very sexy dance. Um, she's obviously under his influence and she can't fight it. And then in the next scene, they're in his home and the fire is roaring and she's in this white dress and he's shirtless and um, they're in front of the fire and they start to kiss and she undoes her dress and it's a very, very sexy scene. So um, remember when I talked about Lost Boys and I realized going back and watching it that that kind of shaped my taste in men because I watched it as a, a high school uh, girl, well, this is the this is the other one. I will forever remember the first time I saw those two scenes and how affected I was as a teen girl. Um, so, Chris, if you ever listen to this, I'm giving you a nine out of ten. Sexy, sexy, so sexy. Now, I will tell you, I took away one point because a couple times she kind of starts to snap out of it. Um, but then he sort of pulls her back under. So he is not so alluring that she completely loses all sense of self. She does kind of snap in and out of it, but still very, very sexy. As a matter of fact, I was actually able to meet Chris Sarandon at a convention many years ago, and it is one of the very rare occasions where I fangirled. I could, I felt like I could not put a concise sentence together. He's so handsome, he's so attractive, and there is something about him that draws you in. Um, if you guys are curious, please go to the Instagram, uh, the Beautiful Dead Instagram, and I will post that picture of me meeting Chris Sarandon. Oh, I'll never forget it. And he's from West Virginia. He had like a little bit, little bit of a twang and he has this very gentlemanly way about him. I'm way off topic. <laughs> so sorry, guys. Let's get back to vampires. All right. So that is my review of Fright Night from 1985. It is a cult classic. Uh, for anybody who loves vampires, if you love 80s films, if you love Chris Sarandon because maybe you're a Princess Bride fan or you're a fan of um, Nightmare Before Christmas, this is a must watch. If you have never seen it, must watch. I, I gotta say, this has to be like my 20th time watching this movie and I still love it. So that is it. I, I, I have already talked for way too long. I've talked um, just as much about this as I did talking about the whole eight seasons of Vampire Diaries. So clearly loved it, had a lot to talk about. If you have any recommendations, any ideas, any questions, 
please reach out to me. I love talking to the people who are listening to this. I love as this is growing. I'm so excited for how this whole thing is going. I'm really excited to be on Apple Podcasts now. Hope to get to meet you guys in some conventions. Coming up soon, I will be doing, drumroll please, The Twilight Saga. So I've already started watching um, the first Twilight movie. It's been a while. If you go on my Instagram, you'll get to see my dog also watching Twilight. She's never seen it before, but she's kind of into it. We'll see how it goes when the werewolves show up because I'm gonna bet that she's gonna try and attack the TV screen. But for the most part, she seems to be really enjoying it. I thank you guys for listening. I can't believe we're already halfway through August. I can't believe we're actually on episode 13, unlike the last episode where I thought we were on 13. Thank you all. I love you all. As I say to all of my fans, I wish you wicked hugs and bloody kisses. Good evening.